mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His for your faithfulness to us even in times like these where we don't know what comes next we don't know where to look God we know that we can look to you because you're faithful to us you never fail us in any circumstance God so we look to you this morning whatever we're facing whether it's fear of this virus whether it's financial issues whether it's home issues marriage issues God we look to you this morning 
because you are where our help comes from, God. We, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for always being there for us.
when I say Jesus, the very mention shatters the darkness and calms my soul. When I say Jesus, even a whisper breaks through my doubting till all my fear is gone. When I say Jesus, 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 the very mention shadows darkness and calms my soul when I say Jesus even a whisper breaks through my doubting till all my fear is gone Filled 
some of our circumstances, in spite of what uh, I know some, some of those who are watching are going through, Lord, Lord, we lift you up and we declare that you are good. We declare this morning that you are good. We know that you are good. We trust that you are good. I want to sing that chorus one more time. And I want us to, to, to declare it this morning. I am blessed. I am healed. And if you're at home and you need healing, I want you to declare that this morning. As we sing that, I want you to declare it. You know, sometimes when we say God is good, we say it in spite of what we're going through, in spite of our circumstances, that we still believe that God is good. No matter what we're facing, no matter what is going on around us, we still believe that God is good. So I want to sing that one more time if we can. And, and you at home, I want you to enter in and I want you to declare it. I want you to sing it over your house, sing it over your children, sing it over yourself. And just invite the Lord into your living room or wherever you're watching this morning as we sing about the goodness of our God. Let's sing that one more time. I am blessed, I am cold, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name, highly favored, anointed, filled with 
with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power. situations, Lord. Lord, some prayer requests have been coming in. Lord, I pray that you would touch Heath this morning. Lord, I pray for his situation. Lord, I pray that you would bless him. God, I pray that you would give him favor. Lord, I pray that he would find favor, Lord, with those um, he is dealing with, God, with, with those he needs to find favor with. God, I pray that you would speak into his heart, speak into his life. Lord, I pray for Terry this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless her, give her strength, strengthen her today. Lord, I speak into her strength and I speak into her life, and I speak into her health, and I speak into her healing in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord, I pray um, for Joey Keller this morning. Lord, I pray that you would touch her. God, I pray that you would uh, bring her healing, God. Uh, Lord, we speak healing into her body, into her life. Lord, I pray for Jamel this morning, Lord, as Isaac has requested prayer. Lord, I pray that you would touch him and bless him, Lord. Lord, whatever the need is, Lord, I pray that you would meet it. God, if he needs to call upon you, that he would call upon you. God, whatever he has need of, God, I pray that you would meet that need. Lord, I pray for all the other requests, Lord. Lord, I pray for, uh, I pray for our, our, our leaders, Lord, who are, who are making decisions. God, I pray that you would give them wisdom. God, I pray that you would give them supernatural wisdom. Lord, I pray for our healthcare workers. God, that you would protect them. God, that your hand would be upon them. God, that you would give them uh, protection, Lord, and give them the equipment and the tools that they need. Lord, I pray. Lord, for those in our community who are ill, Lord, Lord, I pray for healing, Lord, I pray that they would recover, Lord, I pray that you would just touch them, God, I pray for those who are watching, Lord, who need a healing in their body, Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would touch them, Lord, we speak healing, and we speak life and health into them in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would be with us, Lord, in the remainder of this Facebook service, this Facebook live service, God, I pray that your presence and your, your spirit would rest heavy upon us, God, that, that, that somehow you would travel through Lord to the to the to the living rooms and to the homes Lord Lord and that you would lift people up today God I pray that you would encourage people today God I pray that you would bring people back to you today God I pray that you would heal and that you would save and that, that you would deliver and set free in Jesus name 
God, we're asking you for it. We're asking for miracles, Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that we would see results from the prayers that we have prayed in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would just bless our time together. Lord, I pray that everyone who is watching, Lord, that they would be blessed. Lord, that your hand would be upon them. Lord, that your blessing would rest upon them. And that you would give them peace. God, I pray for peace right now. Peace in our hearts. Peace in our minds, God. Peace in our spirits. God, I pray that we would be able to rest in you. Rest in the knowledge that, that, you, uh, that we can rest and put our faith and our hope and our trust in you. Lord, that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. No matter what is going on around us, God, that you are still there. I thank you for it, Lord. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated at home on the couch. Hopefully you were standing and worshiping with us. God is good. Uh, remember that you can still give online through our website um, and that you can give through the text to give. Um, like I mentioned last week, the church is still being the church. Um, we're not asking you to give so that we can have nicer things or uh, bigger buildings or anything like that. We're still being the church. Last week we took a refrigerator to a family that needed a refrigerator. And then just a couple nights ago, we had um, a representative from the church took a bunch, uh, took some groceries and diapers and some cleaning supplies to a family that needed it. Um, we're still being the church. So if you want to be part of, of, of the church and what we're doing, uh, you can give um, online or through the website. We're not asking you to take food out of your family's mouth or to not pay your bills to support us. That's not what we're asking you to do. But if you can, we're asking you to, that to be a blessing. Um, so those are some of the ways that you can give. <clears throat> um, also, we're trying something new. We're trying a Zoom Bible study. So if you would like to be part of that, um, we're going to put a link in the comments section of the Facebook Live. And so if you click on that, you can join it. The, tonight's Bible study is at 6 p.m. And um, so in the comments section of this um, broadcast, whatever, whatever it is, Facebook Live post, there's going to be a link to Zoom. And you'll click on that. Um, you might have to create an account um, and download an app. It's pretty easy, um, even for those of you who aren't real tech savvy. It, it's, it's not that hard. And then we're going to have a Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. And, and, um, and this is something that I think our small groups are going to be using and that we're going to be um, using more and more. So uh, click on that link, get signed up. Then tonight at 6 o'clock around 5 till or whatever, you can join the, um, join the, the meeting and then people will start to join, and then we'll start at 6 o'clock. Also, today, um, just to spice it up a little bit, if you want to have a little fun, take a picture of you and your family and how you're watching, and then tag um, 
The River Church in it. What was the tagline we were going to use? Hashtag the River Church Online. Thank you, Pastor Walker, for, for giving me that. Were, were there any of the other announcements that I was supposed to do? Pastor Walker, okay. <laughs> I mean, we're doing, it on, we're doing it online, but we might as well do it the way we normally do, and that's me looking like a fool and then having to ask questions of those of you in the audience. So um, God is good. I'm excited about today. Today is Palm Sunday. Um, I'm excited for what the Lord has for us today. Pastor Walker is going to be ministering to us this morning. Um, I'm going to give him just a second to get all that set up. I'm going to be running the the video and the tech while he's ministering. So if there are any issues or any problems, it's my fault, not his. Um, So uh, there at your house, let's give Pastor Walker a hand as he comes to minister what God has for us. Thank you, Pastor. Well, this is weird. Um, I got to say that I'm not, not. I never thought I'd make it to the big to the big screen like this, but uh, here we are. Um, as we've already said, and I think it says in the it said earlier in the service today is Palm Sunday, and so we're going to be going through that. You know, Palm Sunday. I feel like as a preacher is one of the hardest texts to preach from uh, because it's literally the same story every single year, and so everybody and their brother has preached on it. And uh, every single angle has been hit. But I think I have something fresh that God's given me today that we can, we can dive into. And I think that God is going to speak to us through it. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, the scriptures are going to be on the, on the Mevo. We're going to start with verse 28. Uh, and we're going to be reading through this story of Palm Sunday. We'll read through it and then I'll talk a little bit about Palm Sunday. And then we'll really dive into the meat of it. Because today, I feel like I really have a very simple, straightforward word, but I have a lot to say. So, don't want to waste any time. Let's get right into it. Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 28. Hopefully you're there. If not, it'll be on your screen. After Jesus telling this story, or after, sorry, after telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw on their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, if they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your wonderful, wonderful spirit that is here present in this church, but also present in the homes of those that are watching. God, I pray that your spirit would go to us or that your spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth as Jesus said it would. Lord, I pray that as we look into the word today, God, that you would speak into the hearts, into the lives of those listening. God, I pray that 
we would be challenged, but also encouraged to follow you in a deeper way. Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips to speak, and God, you would anoint the people's ears to hear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. So, what is Palm Sunday? I feel like, you know, we celebrate this every year, so it might be, might be commonplace for a lot of you to know what Palm Sunday is, but some of you listening may not know, and so let's go over it a little bit. Palm Sunday is the Sunday right before Easter where we celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus um, into Jerusalem. So, if you want to look at it like this, on Good Friday, Jesus was crowned with a crown of thorns, and they mocked him for being a false king. That's what they called him anyways. We know he's the real king, amen. And this here is called the triumphal entry because what you've got to understand is that back in the day, whenever a king or a ruler was coming into a city, they wouldn't just walk in like any average person. They would triumphantly enter the city. And this is what Jesus is doing here. He's entering into the city, and there's a lot of hoopla around it. They wave palm branches, which is why if we were having church in person today, we would be waving palm branches around. You might see that around the internet today. They're waving palm branches, and there's, just, there's a lot of celebration behind it. And Jesus is going into Jerusalem. They're celebrating him because they think that he is about to take his rightful place as king over uh, the Judean peoples and that he's going to liberate them from uh, the rule of Rome. Well, as we know, that's not quite how the story goes. Um, seven days later, he is uh, dead, but then resurrects later, and that's going to be a sermon for next week. But that's basically what Palm Sunday is. It's just the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Um, I want to zero in on this story, and I want to zero in on one particular figure, a figure that's really just a throwaway figure in the story, but I think that today has a lot of insight for us. And that is the man who owned the donkey that Jesus rode on. Yes, in this story, Jesus rides a donkey, but he doesn't own a donkey. He asks his disciples to go ahead of him into the city to get this donkey. And they, they, there's this particular phrase in there I really love. They say, the Lord needs it. And this man who owns this donkey gives up this donkey. And Jesus is allowed to use it then to ride into the city. But I want to focus in on this guy, this guy who owns this donkey. We don't know a lot about this guy. But we can assume he's just an average guy going through his average routine. Um, we'll call him Joe. You know, you've heard the phrase, an average Joe. He's just an average Joe. He's just going about his business. Joe, he's got himself a donkey. You could say that uh, he's average, but you could also say that he's very ordinary. He's very ordinary. And also, he owns a donkey. I mean, is there anything more boring or ordinary than a donkey? I mean, I can't, even like, when I was a kid, I watched Winnie the Pooh. And the worst character in that show was Eeyore, the donkey. I mean, is there anything more boring than a donkey? This guy is an ordinary dude who owns an ordinary, boring animal, a donkey. Uh, He's just an ordinary man going throughout an ordinary day, yet his day is interrupted by the disciples asking him for this donkey. And I've been thinking a lot lately about that word ordinary. In fact, my message today, as you see on your screen, is ordinary to extraordinary. And I've been thinking about the relationship of that. I've been thinking about this guy. and I've been thinking about the word ordinary a lot. You know, here in America, we are opposed to ordinary in every sense of the word. 
We don't want ordinary. We want extraordinary. We don't want the iPhone 8. We need the 10. We don't want that 2005 Honda that got 300,000 miles, but it'll get her done, you know. We don't want that. We want the Mustang or the Challenger, the Tesla, whatever car of your choice, right? We want the extravagant, right? We don't want just ordinary. We want extraordinary. We don't want to live in flyover country like in the good old Midwest where we live. We want to be in Hollywood or in Washington, D.C. or New York City or Los Angeles or all these places, right? Nobody wants to live here in the dirty old Midwest, right? American culture, it's all about getting to these extraordinary places and doing these extraordinary things. And we hate ordinary. In fact, you're raised from being a little kid to think that if you just work hard enough, then maybe you can escape the ordinary life and you can grab the extraordinary one. That's the American dream that we've all been taught. American culture is extremely opposed to the ordinary. And you could say in a way that social media has done this to us. You know, because you go on the Facebook after you get off of this Facebook Live, and you're scrolling through your feed. You're only going to see the best moments of people's lives. If you go on Instagram or Twitter, you're only going to see the best moments. Nobody posts a photo of themselves where they look bad. They don't want that on there because they don't want you to see them looking like an ordinary, average individual. We want extraordinary. We want the best versions of ourselves out there on the internet. And so social media takes this concept and just blows it up. And so many people, when we go on the internet, all we see is these pictures of people that are looking amazing all the time. But we know that's not reality. We know that's not the truth. We know that's not real life. If you're sitting in your living room right now, you're probably not even dressed up for church. You're probably sitting in your ordinary PJs or your ordinary sweats, going throughout your ordinary routine, just hanging out in your house. And a lot of times we've been trained to hate ordinary. But what if I told you that God was not opposed to ordinary? In fact, what if I told you that God desires to use that which is ordinary for his extraordinary purposes? What this donkey owner can teach us today is that an ordinary man with an ordinary boring old donkey can be used by God for a great purpose. And so can you. This is a great truth, but oftentimes we live by lies in our life. And there's two of them I want to talk about this morning. And we're going to draw from this guy right here to talk about that. The first lie is this, that we don't have the right status. And the second lie is that we don't have the right vocation. Let's break them down. The first one, status. We don't know a lot about this guy, donkey man, average Joe, whatever you want to call him. We don't know a lot about him, but what we do know, we can, we can infer from that. This guy was not a man of status, okay? Whenever they went to ask him for his donkey, they didn't bow below him. They, didn't, they just pretty much commanded him. They said, hey, the Lord needs us. Give us his donkey. This man is not a man of status. He's not a man of royalty, not a man of superior wealth. He was not a man of a political realm. He was just an average guy. We, he could have been poor for anything. We do not No, but what we do know is that this man was not just walking around with this status about him. The the modern term for this is clout. Uh, Younger people listening will know what that means. This man did not have a lot of clout. 
This man did not have a lot of influence or, or um, he, he was not a super inspiring guy, right? And I, I want to bring this out for a very specific reason, church, and that is this. That so many Christians live their lives thinking that God could never use them because their status in society, they don't see themselves as being a very important or influential person. And what I want to tell you is that is a lie. That this morning that God can use you wherever you are at. That you might not see yourself as an important or an influential person. You may not see yourself as a person that's got millions of likes on Facebook or all the followers on Instagram or, or, or sort, all these subscribers on YouTube or whatever our society goes after you don't see yourself as being important in that way so you think how could God ever use me well that is a lie straight from hell I want to tell you this morning that God desires to use you no matter what your status is God is not a respecter of persons God God has no favoritism God does not look at you he doesn't look at your 401k he doesn't look at your bank account he doesn't look at your tax bracket and say oh man well I don't think I can use them now Right? We have this mindset that, that people think that God only works through the rich and the powerful, that God only goes to those who have authority and who have power and all these kinds of things. In fact, it's the opposite. Whenever God came into this world, he did not come as one who was rich and powerful, but he came as one who was born in a manger, in a barn, next to a donkey, next to some sheep, next to some lambs. And so God is not opposed to people that are maybe average status or, or all these things. And if you're watching this video, chances are you're probably not part of the 1%. You know, that's a, that's a hot topic right now. The people that are the 1% that run the elite of the elite, right? You're probably an average person. You just live a normal life. You're trying to raise your family the best you can. And your status is not super lofty or anything like that we find ourselves to be just like this guy you say i'm not wealthy i'm not powerful i'm not in washington or hollywood i'm not an instagram influencer or youtuber i'm not a famous preacher or a megachurch worship band leader i'm not i'm not important i'm just ordinary the second lie that we find in this story that we live our lives by, is that we don't have the right vocation. Vocation is just a word that means your job, but not even just your 9-to-5 job, but what you do on a daily basis. You know, the world we live in, we're often defined by what we do. So titles are given to us by what we do. If you are a carpenter, you are one who deals with wood. If you are a nurse, you're one who takes care of people. You receive a title based on what you do. We don't know what this guy did for a living, but for some reason he owned a donkey. So he could have been a farmer, right? He could have been a farmer. It's, it's a possibility. We don't know. But as it pertains to this story, he was a donkey owner. Whatever he is, we don't know, but that's really not the point. The point of what I want to bring out to you is that he, once again, was just an average guy, an ordinary guy with an average job. He wasn't the you know, founder of Microsoft, or he wasn't the, some prominent up-and-up. He wasn't working in Silicon Valley, okay? He wasn't uh, in New York City in the Empire State Building. He wasn't you know, with this luxurious you know, eight-figures job. He was an average guy with an average job. And we think, and by we, I include myself in this because I used to think this way. 
We think that because we have an average job that God cannot use us. That's a lie. We think, Christians think, believers think that they have to be up here on this stage. They have to be playing some sort of musical instrument. They think that they have to be expounding upon the scriptures in some way, shape, or form. They have to be doing something churchy to be used by God. And I want to tell you that is also a lie. You say to yourself, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a trucker. I'm just a nurse. I'm just a banker. I'm just a teacher. I'm just a secretary. I'm just a doctor. I'm just a lawyer. I'm just a house appraisal specialist, right? I'm just a fast food worker. I'm just uh, someone. You know, I just work a job, a nine-to-five. I'm just an insurance salesman. I'm just an Altec worker. I'm just a you-name-it. The fact of the matter is this, folks, that 99% of people who call themselves sons and daughters of God are not going to be in ministry. They're not going to be in a church doing churchy things. But does that exclude you from doing the work of the kingdom of God? Absolutely not. God has called you where you are in your vocation, in your job, in your time, in your place to be the best son or daughter of God that you can be. Let me tell you something. What if we said, instead of saying, I'm just a stay-at-home mom, we said, I'm going to bring uh, the kingdom of God on earth in my house as it is in heaven, right? What if we said, I, you know, might say, I'm just a trucker, I'm just, an, I'm just a nurse, I'm just a banker. What if he said, I'm going to bring the kingdom of God on earth, in my workplace, as it is in heaven. This guy who owned a donkey was going about his daily routine, doing his daily job, his ordinary job, his, his ordinary routine. But in the middle of it, God interrupted his ordinary routine. And he said, I want to use your donkey. And several times in your life, River Church, you will have the opportunity going about your ordinary day, your ordinary job, and God is going to interrupt right into that space. And he's going to say, hey, your job as a teacher, yeah, I need to use it. Hey, your job as a, as a, a secretary, yeah, I need to use it. Your job as a fast food worker, yeah, I need to use it. And what we need to do, River Church, is open our minds and realize that God is bigger than this church. All right, if Corona has taught us anything, it's that, amen? That God is bigger than the four walls of this building and he's calling you to go into your space and your place and take him with you to insert God into every single situation. So what does this mean practically? It means this, that if you have the privilege or the right of working right now, then praise God, we're, we're happy for you that you can make financial means through that. Bring God into your job. Bring God into your workplace. Maybe you're at home right now. Maybe you're just helping your kids do, to do some online schooling, right? Maybe you're going through the steps of that. Maybe you're spending a lot more time at home. Bring God into your household. In fact, I'll take it a step further. He's already there. The churchy word for that is that he's omnipresent. All places at all times. God's already there. He's just waiting for you to turn to him. He's waiting for you to surrender your household over to him. We look at our lives and we say, God, who am I? I'm just ordinary. I'm just average. There's nothing special about me. In fact, most days I think I'm kind of boring. And let me tell you, that's how I feel too. Most of the time it's like, you know, who am I? You know? 
If I were, if, in, in the grand scheme of things, if I were to die right now, <laughs> this would obviously be a terrible live stream. That would be the worst thing ever. If I was to die after the live stream, several people would be sad, I would hope, around here in the church family. But in the world, all 7.6 billion people, ain't nobody going to bat an eye that Walker McCowan died. I'm a pretty ordinary guy, pretty average guy. Does that exclude me from the work of God? No. And you are the exact same way. You might think of yourself, man, I'm just, just a normal person. And that's exactly why God wants to use you. Because God has always been in the business of turning that which is ordinary into extraordinary. God has always desired to use ordinary people in their ordinary everyday lives for his extraordinary purposes. If you think God needs you to be in a church to work in your life, then you don't know God. In our mind, we think God only works with the somebodies. But in fact, God always chose the nobodies. He always picked the people that had messed up the most and the people who had fallen behind the most, the people who, who actually they, they, they disqualified themselves in some way from serving God. But he used them anyway. There are two scriptures I want to bring out this morning real quickly that I think really illustrate this. The first one is from Mark chapter 6. Uh, you don't have to turn there. It's going to be on your screen. A very familiar passage where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And it says this. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? He asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. I love this miracle because we know what goes on to happen, right? Jesus goes and he feeds 5,000. Just even in the story, they only count men. We don't know how many women and children are there. There could be 8,000, 10,000. We don't know. But what we do know is this is that Jesus took something that was very ordinary, bread. <laughs> you know, is, is there anything more boring than bread? Out of, I mean, out of all the, the things that we eat, bread, it's just, it's just bread, right? Bread and fish. He takes two ordinary, kind of boring, kind of average pieces of food, bread and fish, and he multiplies it. He takes that which is ordinary and he blesses it and he breaks it and he expounds upon it. And this is a beautiful metaphor of what our lives can be, River Church, if we allow it. We take our lives and we put them in the hands of Jesus. We say, God, I give you my whole life. I surrender my life, not just my life on Sundays, but my life on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday as well. I give it to you. I surrender it to you. And you know what God does? He takes our lives in his hands and he takes that which is average and ordinary and he blesses it and he breaks it and he multiplies it and he makes our lives into something that we can never do on our own. That's how we get from ordinary to extraordinary. See, America says you can do it just by 
earning enough money or getting enough power or getting in enough relationships or, or having enough fun, then your life could be really extraordinary. I want to tell you that your life does not become extraordinary by doing what you want, but your life becomes extraordinary by submitting yourself to the will of God and putting your life in His hands. And when you do, He multiplies it. He blesses it. And as a result, everyone around you will be blessed. Everyone around you will have a better life because of it. Second metaphor is this, or not second metaphor, second story is this, also from the life of Jesus. This one is a little bit more close to home because it has to do with humans, not bread, but this is what it is. Matthew 4, 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them immediately, and they left the boat, and their father followed them. We see in this passage that Jesus goes to these men. And maybe you are not a fisherman. I was a fish. I loved to fish when I was a kid. I loved to fish with my dad. I loved to fish with my family. All those kinds of things. It, it, it is a common practice around here. But what we've got to understand is that these guys were not fishing for recreational use, but for professional use. This was their career. Jesus was going to them in the middle of their job, and he was telling them, hey, come and follow me. He was going to these men, these guys that were average fishermen. You know how many people fished in the Sea of Galilee? A lot. <laughs> you know how many people cast their nets in that sea every day? A lot. What made these guys so special out of everybody else? I don't know. Maybe there wasn't anything that made them special. Maybe they were just average and ordinary, and Jesus chose them. And what I want to tell you this morning is this. That in your life, I don't know what your daily routine looks like. I don't know what your life is like right now, especially with, with COVID-19 and everything like that. Things are a little bit crazy. I don't know what your family life is like. I don't know what your job life is like. But what I know is this, is that if we, when Jesus comes to us and says, come follow me, if we will drop everything and follow after him, he does this amazing, miraculous work where he takes our lives, he takes our souls, he takes our bodies, he takes our daily routines, he takes our whole way of being, and when we surrender it to him, we drop everything and we say, I'm going to follow after you, Jesus. What he does is he takes it and he turns us into something that we could never be by ourselves. If we were to turn through this book and go to the book of Acts, you would see the same Simon Peter stand up on a balcony in the book of Acts and preach a message that would lead 3,000 believers to come to know Christ. You would see a Simon Peter boldly proclaim the gospel that Christ is resurrected and he is king and lord of all. But you don't see that same Simon Peter right here. He's just a simple old fisherman. It's a guy trying to catch some fish on a Saturday morning, right? Never discount. Never discredit yourself. 
Never say that God cannot use me. Because He can. And He he will. And He wants to. So, River Church, I have no idea what you're going through, what situation you're in. But I encourage you today, allow the Lord to speak to you. What things in your life have you been holding back? What areas of your life have you been holding back? Have you been holding back the donkey? Maybe that's a a way to close and land this ship. On Palm Sunday, we find a guy that has a donkey. And the disciples come to him and say, hey, the Lord needs it. The Lord needs it. That guy could have said, hey, no way, Jose. You know, I'm keeping my donkey. I've got to go plow the fields later, you know? He could have said all sorts of things, could have made all sorts of excuses. And that's what we do sometimes. God is calling you to something. And I say that directly to you. Yes, you that's watching this. God is calling you to do something. Whatever that is. Maybe it's in your home. Maybe it is to, to text that person that you have held unforgiveness towards for a long time. Maybe it's to restore a relationship. Maybe it's to start having a Bible study with your kids. Maybe, it's, maybe during this time where we, we're spending more time at home, we could talk to people more about God. We can talk more about the goodness of God in our families, in our homes. Maybe God is calling you to something. What is God calling you to today? Listen to the Spirit of the Lord, River Church. Listen to what the Spirit is calling you to. But as our brother James says, don't just be hearers of the Word but doers of the word. When God is calling you to do something, then do it. And when the Lord says, or whenever the disciples say, the Lord needs it, he gave his donkey. God's telling you today, I need something from you. What are you going to give him? What are you going to surrender to him? Right now I'm going to ask if, if Jesse and Bo will come up and we're going we're gonna to sing a song to close this service, a song of surrender, a song where we're going to give you an opportunity to worship and to surrender yourselves over to God. It's really simple. It's Jesus, all for Jesus. And as we sing this song, I'm going to ask that you, wherever you are, that you would ask God, what does he require of you? What does he have for you? What is he desiring for you to give up? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for your wonderful, wonderful spirit that is with us. God, I thank you that you are among us, God, in this church, but also in the houses, God. Lord, I pray that wherever people are sitting, whatever they're doing, God, that they would realize that although they probably are average and ordinary people, you want to use them for your extraordinary purposes, that you desire to use them in their lives, in their jobs, in their families, in every situation. So Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would speak, that you would speak to your people today. God, whatever it is that you would have them to surrender over to you, whether it's their job or their life with their family, God, or a relationship with another person, God, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that right now, as we begin to sing this worship song, that we would surrender it over to you. God, that we truly would be surrendered in everything, in every way to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
never hope to be. all for Jesus one last time. Jesus 